Good morning, Tri-Cities. Good morning, Tri-Cities. Before we get started, I just want to, I want to, I want to pray real, real quickly. And if it's uh, not too much, I want to kneel as I, um, as I pray with you guys real quick, all right? <clears throat> Father God, we pause for a moment to thank you for another day that you've blessed us to see. I pause for a moment to acknowledge you and your majesty. Acknowledge the fact, Father God, that there is nothing that I can do in and of myself that amounts to anything of lasting, of lasting good without you in my life, without you in my heart, Father God. And right now, Lord, I pray that as I stand up, that your words go forth. I decrease and that you increase, Lord God. Prepare our hearts, my heart, to receive what it is that you would have to speak to us out of your word, Lord God. In your son Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Um, I just felt real, I felt led to, to kneel this morning. That was something that, um, that I did early on in, in ministry, and I kind of got away from it. Um, but, man, during worship, I just felt like, man, I needed to bow down this morning. I needed to take a knee before, before God and acknowledge him and, and my need for him. Amen? Amen? Man, it's good to be in the place this morning, Tri-Cities. Um, my name is Greg Harris. I want to throw that out there in the, in the get-go because I guess last time I got up here, I did not introduce myself. And um, I thought I did, but I went back and listened to my sermon. I'm like, man, I didn't tell them who I was. And um, like, I have no problem with that, but I guess at the end of the day, when you're using things or when you're referencing somebody, uh, it's good to know who they are, right? Yeah. Right. So a couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Wesley called me up. And man, let's give it up for our pastors here, Pastor Jamie, Pastor Wesley. We have some amazing pastors. And I don't say that to kiss up, but I say that acknowledging... <laughs> I say that acknowledging, man, that they have, they bear a weight on them that we don't often recognize or understand or that we're able to relate to. And not only them, but to their wives as well, because give it up for the wives. The Bible says give respect, um, give honor where honor is due. And man, I tell you what, it's been a true blessing to get to know them, to sit with them, and, and even for them to um, allow me to speak with you and trust me with speaking to you this morning. Uh, man, it's just, it's just an honor. And so I just wanted to say that. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, Pastor Wesley called me up, and he was like, yeah, Greg, um, how you doing this morning? I'm like, I'm good. And he's like, uh, you mind preaching or you think you're going to be able to preach on April 15th, the schedule open? I'm like, man, my schedule's wide open. What you need me to do? And um, he didn't tell me, though, it was following a series called The Foolish Things. And so as I'm sitting here and I'm sitting in the, pew, uh, in the seats and I'm listening to I'm like, Lord, he's talking about me. The foolish things. I'm like, this man is taking two weeks out of his sermon series to introduce a foolish thing. You know, and so, <laughs> but that's all right, though, because, like, at, at the end of the day, um, that's the only thing that, like, keep, it, it, that keeps me grounded, one, and then, two, like, me being, like, 
me being able to speak before y'all, man, it's, it's a miracle in and of itself to me. Because, like, Pastor Wesley came to me a couple minutes ago before service. He's like, Greg, you ready? I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm nervous. You know what I'm talking about? And I was like, that's just a moment of transparency. Um, man, don't be afraid to let God use you, you know, in spite of the shortcomings that you see in the mirror when you face yourself. Amen. Because not only do you cheat others, but oftentimes you cheat yourself out of experiencing the power of God. Um, So this morning, this is the third Sunday out from Easter. And I want to give a little context background to what um, we're going to dive into this morning. And we're going to be visiting Luke chapter 24 this morning, Luke chapter 24. And I just want to give a, a quick background in my own words, right? So here it is that a murderer had been set free. That's the, that's the big deal even today, in today's age, right? A murderer was set free. An innocent man was put to death in his place. And we, know, we all know that's big news, right? Somebody innocent being shot, or for that matter, paying. But, but, but this, this situation was a little unique. Um, not only that, but then we have the weather. The weather, the weather was, had been crazy. The day that Jesus was murdered, the sun refused to shine. The earth quaked. Not only did the earth quake, but then it, the Bible tells us that the temple was vandalized, the, that the curtain in the temple was ripped. You know, and there are people who didn't acknowledge God in that, you know, or put on blinders per se, like, but the, curtain, the temple was vandalized, and then the disciples were a mess. People were scared, and then three days later, all of a sudden, the body of Jesus was missing. I want to put, I want, I want to let that soak in for a second because sometimes we don't really grasp the implications of what that means. The body, three days after Jesus was crucified, officially crucified, here it is, the body was missing. And the body of Jesus that was placed in a tomb that had been sealed on Roman authority had been his body had been taken, meaning that somebody must have taken the body of Jesus, meaning that somebody must have broken the seal that wasn't supposed to be broken. And now, anybody ever heard of that saying, guilty by association? You know, the seal had been broken, And we have these two individuals, these two individuals, they're looking around and they're like, man, I don't know about you, but it's not looking too good around here. They only had one or two options, right? It was either Jesus had risen or somebody had taken the body. Now, if Jesus had risen, if they believe Jesus had risen, risen, this text would read a whole lot different. You follow me? This text, the disciples were waiting in anticipation for Jesus to make an appearance. You know, they were walking around, chest out, looking like, oh, y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. Y'all think everything, you know, 
our God about our Jesus about to come back and blow this top off this thing. You know what I mean? Um, the text would have read completely different, but it doesn't. It says that these two, we find these two individuals traveling away from the company that they kept, the people who they were around, under the circumstances that they found themselves, the, the body of Jesus had been taken. And so they're pondering all the things that had happened. And this is where we join them in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 16. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so they did not know him. So revisiting this conversation that these followers, it doesn't, the Bible doesn't tell us that they were like disciples of Jesus, but it does let us know like they were chilling with the followers of Jesus, meaning like they, they had to have been at least attracted to what Jesus was doing, attracted to those who were around Jesus, and they were trying to find out more about Jesus. But nevertheless, this dude that they were trying to find out about all of a sudden it's a big contradiction in what they thought was going to happen. And all lo and behold, he's been crucified, he's been buried, and now the body is missing. So they're talking, they're saddened. And at the same time, they're wrestling with everything that they're like, man, he saved others, but he couldn't save himself. Or, man, the disciples, his closest, his closest friends abandoned him in his time of need, and all of these different things. And, man, we were hoping that he would restore Israel, that he was the hope, he, that all of these different things they were pondering, all the different things that they thought they knew all of a sudden are things that they were about to accept all of a sudden had been turned upside down. And they were traveling away from Jerusalem to a place called Emmaus. This morning, and not only that, but... As they were walking, Jesus joins them. The risen Jesus joins them, and they don't recognize who walking and begins to talk with them. This morning, I felt led to talk to you guys about the company you keep. The company we keep. Because the company we keep, right, affects every area of our lives. The company we keep affects every area of our lives. I mean, it, depending on who you associate with and who you hang around, certain doors can be open, certain doors can be closed. Um, people can come to a conclusion of who you are based on who you hang around, right? Not only that, not only things of that nature, but also Man, who you hang with affects what you eat. You know that? Like, it, like you ever hung around somebody that went to somebody's house and, like, they have nothing, you're hungry and they have nothing but junk food? You know, or uh, for that matter, have you ever went to somebody's house and, uh, like, I mean, I, I've been with friends and they think their, their mother or their dad can cook. Like, oh, man, you need to come with me to my mama's house. And, no, no, bro, bro, I'm telling you, man, my, my mama can barbecue up something. My, and then you get there, and you're all hungry, 
You know what I'm talking about? They, they, they set you up. <laughs> because all of a sudden you take a bite of this chicken and everybody look, it's good, ain't it, dog? And you look in your mouth, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Where that dog get I see in a minute ago. <laughs> I was talking with my wife this morning, and uh, we just moved into our place. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Give some Jesus. We just moved into our place this morning. We're officially grown again. And, uh, and we have this puppy and this, uh, this, this Yorkshire Terrier, right? And this dude, he is a, his personality is a mess. And um, because, I mean, he's, he's the smallest thing, you know, around, but he, think, he walks around like he's the biggest dude on the block, you know. And so my mom, um, when we were li- while we were living with her, she has this Cocker Spaniel. And it was funny because this Yorkshire Terrier, he is picky. He doesn't just eat anything that you put before him, right? But all of a sudden, now that it's another dog in the picture, he eating stuff he don't regularly eat. Uh, seriously, and not only that, but he's like bullying the bigger dog. He's like, dude, like, I'm like, my mom was fe- uh, putting dog food in, the, uh, in, in their bowls, and I'm like, mom, my dog don't eat that stuff. And she was like, boy, these dogs, don't, they can't tell no difference. <laughs> and, you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm telling you, he don't eat it. And then, lo and behold, that joker over there, like, debo in the bowl of food <laughs> from the other dog. And, you know, and it's funny because he'll sit and eat from the big bowl, and then the big dog will sit and eat from the small bowl. It's just messed up. The company you keep <laughs> affects what you eat. <laughs> I'm going to draw into this just a little bit more. So a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, we found ourselves on a date. We haven't been able to date on a regular basis, right? And um, we went to this place, um, Fred's at the Mill, Frank's at the Mill, I think. And we went in there, and, man, the desserts looked awesome. I had my mind set on desserts. But at the same time, like, um, we haven't had Cold Stone's ice cream in a long time. And so my wife, and like, toward the end of dinner, my wife, she's like, and once again, like, I had my mind set on, like, this red velvet cake that I had seen walking in. And my wife was like, what do you think about going to Cold Stone's? And I'm like, that sounds real good. I'm like, but Cold Stone's 30 minutes out the way. But as we said, and as we got toward the end of dinner, I'm like, man, Cold Stone's sound real good. But nevertheless... Cold Stone wouldn't have crossed my mind unless my wife hadn't have made the suggestion. And so, like, I wasn't planning on going to Cold Stone's, and at the end of the day, we found ourselves at Cold Stone's Ice Cream. Like, y'all might be able to relate to this. Like, there are some hole-in-the-wall diners that you would not eat at. You follow me? But yet, because who you're with validates that diner, all of a sudden it takes on, bro, I'm telling you, I know it looks raggedy. But I'm telling you, they have the best chicken waffles around this. You know, I'm just, you know, you know what I mean? Like who we hang around affects what we eat. Who we're hanging around affects what we eat. The company we keep affects every area of our life. Most people, knows, most people know what bad company equates to, right? And for the most part, we try to distance ourselves from bad company. You know, that's, that's the natural thing. You know, even as a kid, if you were playing outside and the window broke, you know, you ain't stick around to find out what happened, especially if you didn't break the window. <laughs> Good company 
is cool. Everybody knows what bad companies equates to, but what happens when good company begins to look bad? What happens when good company begins to look bad? I had lost my place just for a second. I was trying to play that off for a second, but my iPad, it flipped screens on me, and I just want to make it clear, like, I, I did lose my place. Y'all like, he fumbling over his words right now. No, my iPad, it moved, it flipped up on me. It's devil possessed this morning. <laughs> Keep on laughing. Give me a little time to find my place. Cool, I found my place. Y'all can be quiet now. <laughs> good company looks bad. And then all of a sudden, because good company starts to look bad, we distance ourselves from good company. And there are different things. Like, did fear play a part in these, these followers, like, distancing themselves? Yes. Did, did doubt have its role to play there? Yes, it did. But at the end of the day, I think it was something else. At the end of the day, I think, I think really what drove these followers or would-be followers of Christ in a different direction was the fact that the good company that they were hanging around no longer looked like good company because of the situations that these were forward thinkers. These were forward thinkers. These two dudes, whoever, like, one, they, they give us one name, Cleopas. They don't tell us who the other individual is, but whoever, whoever the other individual were, they were forward thinkers. They were sitting there, they were like, um, okay, so the body is missing. And then they sent some other people back, like some, some other people that were also keeping them company, like the body is missing. But so if there were two stories. It was first the women who had went to uh, uh, prepare Jesus' body, you know, uh, um, with fragrances and different things as it pertains to like the burial uh, ordinances, but at the same time, and then these women came back and they said, not only was the body missing, but they said that um, they saw a vision and that an angel had spoken to them, right? Okay, initially, like, when you hear that news, you're like, what? Jesus is risen? For real? For real? And then so they sent somebody else to validate what was happening. And the people who validated is like, yeah, the body is missing, but we didn't see no angels. And these two forward thinkers, they're sitting there like, bruh, this just ain't looking good. I mean, I think they're going a little cray-cray. <laughs> things were, things, th I mean, think about it for a second. Put yourself in their shoes, right? They were chilling with presumably the Messiah, the one who would redeem Israel. That's good company. That looks like some good company. You follow me? That looks like, man, I want to be in with y'all. When, when this thing turned over on his head, I want to be on y'all's side. And then all of a sudden, he's crucified. We weren't there. And I, like, the Bible don't say that Cleopas was on the boat when Peter walked on the water. The Bible doesn't say that Cleopas was there when Jesus fed the 12,000 with two loaves, and, uh, or two fish and uh, three loaves, or five loaves, one of the two. I had to correct just in case we have some Bible scholars in the building. <laughs> it doesn't say that Cleopas was there when Jesus healed the woman with an issue of blood. 
It doesn't say that either one of these two were there when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And these two, I presume, had heard. And because they had heard, and because it looked good, it sounded good, they decided, like, yo, I think this worth checking out. I think it's some, I really think it's something to this Jesus of Nazareth. You follow me? And all of a sudden, it's their, their world is turned upside down, and they're traveling away from what used to look like good company. Now, because all of a sudden, it looked like bad company. What do we do in our lives? What do we do? Because nobody wants to cut off good company. Is anybody in here, like, I won't ask that question. This is just, like, just think about it. Don't raise your hand because I don't want people to know where you might be at in life. <laughs> but have you ever cut off, knowingly cut off good company? I don't, I don't think most of us, it's just, that's irrational. That just doesn't make sense. You don't go about like, man, he been good to me, she been good to me. Won't be giving them a call today. <laughs> you know, but so oftentimes we cut off good company because good company doesn't always look good. Take, for example, Isaiah 53, verses 2 through 3. It says, and it's talking about Jesus here, right? It says, there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with, with the deepest grief. Now, I don't think, now I'm, I'm going to be 100, I don't think Jesus was ugly. You know, he might not have been like a superstar, like, or whatnot, but I think ultimately, outside of him being like normal, a normal dude, like look like a normal dude, I think that the, his company didn't look good. The company Jesus kept didn't look good. You had Pharisees and Sadducees trying to like ease their way up beside Jesus. And the biggest problem they had with Jesus was the company that Jesus kept. Think about that for a second. How does that relate to maybe where we are in life? Because I don't know too many people who like to hang around people who are always in need. You follow me? I don't like to hang out with people who are always in their feelings or down, always talking negative. And this, think about it for a second. And these were the type of people Jesus attracted. Some of us have a problem too. Jesus was the light. People are attracted to the light. Some of us, if, if, if you have Jesus Christ in your life, guess what? You are now part of that light. Some of us find ourselves in situations where we're like, man, why am I always attracting these crazy people? And yeah, some of us crazy. Let's be 100. This Tri-Cities Church, I ain't been here too long, but I'm here. So that speaks a whole lot. But I saw a light here. That's what happened when you start wondering, when you're wondering in the dark and you see a light, you like, you're attracted to it. Right? Y'all with me? So that was nothing attractive about Jesus. And what, like he was just this normal dude. And on top of him being normal and doing these supernatural things, man, he had this bad company. But the bad company that Jesus attracted, he saw the good in them. The same thing is the same thing with the church. Nowadays, the church sounds real sexy. 
excuse my terminology, but I mean, I mean, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, let's just keep it 100 this morning, right? When you hear about what the church does or should be doing according to the Bible, what the Bible says, it sounds real good. You follow me? It's like, man, I, I, I like the way that sounds. But it's like going on a blind date sometimes, right? I don't know how many of you have been on a blind date. I've never been on a blind date, but I heard some horror stories like, man, I like, bro, have you met her yet? No, I haven't met her, but she sounds good on the phone, bro. You know, uh, have you met him yet? He don't, I haven't met him yet, but the pictures that he sent me look, he is fine. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden you show up and you get something different. Like a lot of people walk into the church because they hear like the church is this place of refuge. The church is this place where you're accepted for who you are. The church is this place where it's full of love and, and, it's, and, and, and people who are willing to help you out. And all of a sudden, you know, sister so-and-so walked past you and she don't even speak this morning. You know, what? Uh, so-and-so looking, up, looking at you and got his nose up in the air. You know, all of a sudden, this, this place that sounded sexy, sounded like good company, all of a sudden starts to look like bad company. And that's a lot of that going on in the media today. You know, you don't hear about, like every once in a while you hear about the good that the church is doing. You know, but so oftentimes you hear about a pastor did this. A pastor did that. A, a pastor has molested two young women or this. And, I mean, it's so much drama, so much speculation, so much, so much mess going on right inside the church that it's one of those places that look like good company, but I don't quite know if I'm there yet. You know, and then it's not only that, but take, for instance, like parents. Like, I don't know any teenager that wants their parents going on their first date. My, me and my wife did it, though. We went on our, our daughter's first date. Our whole family went out. We like, yo, we're going to, we, we're, we're going to meet this young man. And we're going to make sure that he knows there are certain lines you don't cross. You follow me? Parents to teenagers don't seem like good company, right? But parents at the end of the day have their best interest in mind. Good company doesn't always look good. And let's get on friends. And I'm going to use Peter, for example, because Peter, good old Peter. If you hadn't read your Bible, you need to read up on Peter because Peter reminds me of, he reminds me a lot of me. I'm like, if there, were, if there was a blooper reel of the Bible, Peter would headline that thing. Peter had this, this I mean, man, Peter, Peter was this passionate dude, yet and still, like, he often put his foot in his mouth. He often, would, like, he, he, he was gung-ho about things. He'd act before he, he thought. And so, man, he had, I mean, I, I think a lot of us would have cut off Peter early. A lot of us would have seen Peter in the church and been like, yo, I ain't chilling with him today. I'm trying to, he's sitting on that side of the church. I'm sitting, he, always talks, he always talking some foolishness, for real. Do you know he invited me on some of that foolishness? What, Peter was that dude. 
Okay, so what, let me break it down. What, what do I really mean by Peter was that dude? Like Peter was, Peter claimed to be like a ride or die. Peter claimed to be a ride or die. And, and, and I want to visit that just a little bit because I believe Peter was a ride or die. What I think was, I think that Peter's perception of who Jesus was got twisted somewhere. I mean, because Peter was like, I mean, this was the, the disciple walking around with a sword on him. I wish you would try me. I know, I know I'm part of Jesus' crew, but I'm that one. I'm the one you don't try. You know what I'm saying? That's, I mean, you know how it is. Come on, let's be real. If, you, if you're walking around with a gun on you, right, you can carry yourself right amongst the hardest thugs. You know what I'm saying? Peter was that dude, and yet and still, like, so Peter was like, Lord, man, if you're going to die, I'm going to die with you. You know, and all of a sudden, what happens to Peter when Jesus is arrested? And it says, like, man, Peter tucked his tail and kind of hid in the background a little bit. But I believe it was the reason why Peter kind of tucked his tail and hid. Because at the same time, while, while Peter had denied Jesus, while at the same time, Jesus, like, Peter, like, kind of backed off, like, put some distance between him and Jesus. I believe, like, Peter, all the stuff that Peter had witnessed didn't account for anything in the midst of that situation. All of a sudden, Peter, like, Peter had saw Jesus go in the temple flipping over tables. And he was like, all right, Jesus, I see you. You, you talking that peace and love, and, but I, I know you know how to turn up. When you turn up, I'm the one. You know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, so they come to arrest Jesus. Peter pulls out his sword, slashes an ear off, and then Jesus calmly rebukes Peter and says, put away your sword. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. Those who don't, 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 am I not to drink of the cup in which my father has given me? Right? All of a sudden, Peter was disarmed. The way Peter would have dealt with the situation was taken away with him, from him. And Peter's sitting there like, oh, hold on, hold on. This, is this the same Jesus I know? Is this, this is not, this is not how I saw things going. And I didn't, I know you, I know you told me you was going to die, but I didn't take that literal. You know, I didn't, I didn't take that literally like you were going to let them crucify you. And so Peter's playing the background kind of because he's disarmed. And now because he can't respond, doesn't know how to respond, he's caught in this situation like, man, is Jesus really who he says he is? And then all of a sudden the, the, the crow, the rooster crows. And then Jesus, and then Peter remembers who he's dealing with. It's like, yo, he said I would deny him three times before that rooster crowed. And then Peter caught eye contact with Jesus like, man, I'm some bad company. I'm bad company. So how do we distinguish? How do we avoid cutting off good company? How do we avoid cutting off good company. And I believe this passage gives us a clue to the nature of good company. Right? So there are certain things that good company does. One, good company calls you into question. These two followers or would-be followers of Jesus are walking and Jesus joins them 
And he calls them into question like, yo, what are you talking about? Right? And, and just put a little, a little bit more meat on it since we're talking about Peter. Jesus asked Peter, he was like, yo, am I not to drink of the cup in which my father has put before me? Good company calls us into question. People don't like to be questioned nowadays, though, do we? You know, if I don't show up two Sundays in a row and then all of a sudden I show up and then Pastor James is like, brother, where have you been? I missed you. And you're like, why you, all in my, why you all in my grill? Why you all in my face? Such and such ain't been here in a month. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I'm good. I met my quota. Good company calls us into question. Good company rebukes. Good company rebukes. What is rebuke? Rebukes is telling you you're wrong. Telling you you're wrong. And he, even in the story of Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he pulls out the sword, Jesus gives a subtle rebuke. Peter, put away your sword. Right here, Jesus said, Jesus in, in verse Verse 25, he says, then he said, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. So they told these two followers told Jesus what they were talking about. And Jesus understood from what they said that they that they didn't believe what the prophets had said about the Messiah. Good company questions, good company rebukes, and then thirdly, good company corrects. All three of those are like strikes for us, right? Nobody likes to be questioned. Nobody definitely likes to be told they're wrong. And then don't correct me in front of nobody. You know what I mean? We, some of us had that attitude like, yeah, what you said was right, but you said it in front of them. You know what I mean? So good company corrects. Good company rebukes, good company questions, and I'm going to say this, like, it's no specific order that those might come in, but all of them are usually present, right? And then, and this is the one I love, and this is the one most people love, good company feeds. Good company will feed you good, right? And I talked about that a little bit, a little bit earlier, but verse 30 says, because these men were joined by Jesus, talked with Jesus the majority of the day, didn't realize that they were talking with the risen Messiah, right? Not until verse 30. And it says, And it came to pass as they sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave to them. Then it says, verse 31, And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. They didn't know they were in Jesus' company until they tasted Jesus' cooking. In fact, that was the only thing they had after he had vanished because, and this, this is, this, I think this is, a, this is a very critical area right here, right? Because they, they spoke with Jesus. They tasted of the, the food, the bread, not the physical bread, but the nourishment of the word of God, Right? All day. And then it was when Jesus broke the physical bread that it says their eyes were open. But it didn't say that they ate. It just says that he gave them bread. He blessed it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open and he vanished. And then they go, where is it at? He says, question. 
And they said one to another. Check this out. Check, check this out. And they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? They based what they believed and experienced on what it created inside of them, not necessarily what they had experienced externally. They based, hold on, they, they questioned themselves. I mean, this was the dude sitting in front of them, breaking bread, and all of a sudden he vanished. Woof. That would have been enough. You follow me? Like, you're sitting there eating with me, and all of a sudden you gone? They based what they knew, what they believed on, what they ate and what it caused internally. So I talked to y'all earlier about Cold Stone's ice cream. I love Cold Stone's ice cream. I mean, I could be a poster boy for Cold Stone's, <laughs> for real. But me and Cold Stone's, me and Cold, Cold Stone's don't agree. You follow me? Like, when I, when, like that, was, that was something I had to weigh out. Like, I don't, like, my body does not agree with lactose. You follow me? So when my wife suggested Cold Stones, I took into consideration everything that goes along with Cold Stones. (laughs) Some of y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And so I'm like, and I'm not, like I said, like I love Cold Stones. I don't just go and get the small bowl. You know, I got a, I got a love it bowl, you know, and I ate it and it was good, but it created something within me. that I knew it was going to create. And it didn't naturally agree with my system. The Word of God often reminds me of cold stones. You know what I mean? Because it's good. It tastes good. But at the end of the day, God's Word will mess you up inside. God's Word will cause you to move, even when it's inconvenient to move. (laughs) Y'all still laughing. That's a serious point. (laughs) It's something about recognizing. It's something about recognizing good food, good word. And and not only like recognizing good word, but taking in good word, and then understanding and processing and and accepting what good word does internally. Good word, and when somebody has got a taste of good word, they'll come up to you and be like, listen, I haven't held down a job in 15 years. I hustled to make my income, and now I'm feeling like God is telling me I need to stop hustling, but yet I don't have a means of taking care of myself. And at the end of the day, they're looking at me to give them some advice. And all I can say is, brother, if that's what the word is doing within you, then you got to, I mean, I can't tell you to stop doing what you're doing because then you're going to look at me and talk about like, Pastor Greg, you told me to stop doing this and my lights are off and I need some money and I ain't got no money for you. (laughs) But the word of God will call you to a place of inconvenience. Because these, these followers, these would-be followers of Christ, they set out in the daytime. And back in the days, it was not safe to travel the roads at night. 
You didn't have street lights. You didn't have paved roads and things of, of that nature. Right? So it was dangerous. If you had some business to take care of, you took, it, you took care of it in the day. But all of a sudden, these disciples realized that they had eaten good food. And the good food didn't necessarily agree with their insides. And yet it caused them to move in the midnight hour, travel seven miles to go tell somebody at an inconvenient time to go tell somebody, like, I ex- we experienced Jesus. We ate, w- we ate with Jesus. I, I, I've come in contact with Jesus. This passage, I think it has a challenge for each, each and every one of us in this building. I don't think that this, this passage excludes anyone. The first challenge is, if you haven't been challenged in your faith walk as of late, I would say you need to look at the company you keep. You feel me? If you haven't been inconvenienced lately by your faith, I think you need to look at the company you keep. That's the first one. Some of us fall into that boat. And then the next one is maybe you've been that person running from good company. You don't like to be questioned. You don't like correction. You don't like rebuke, whatever that may sound like. And for the longest time, you've been calling, you've been when people, whenever that enters your life, whenever those elements enter your life, all of a sudden you're like, they're judging me. Nobody ain't judging you. The truth is the truth. And the word of God says the truth will set you free. You follow me? So maybe that's you. Maybe you've been church hopping because you can't find a church that sound or looks as sexy as it sounds. If that's you, we want to we, wanna, we, want, we want to invite you into our company today. And then thirdly, and maybe, just maybe, God is calling you to be good company. Good company isn't easy. Being good company isn't easy because good, being good company calls you to hold others accountable for what they say what they do, where they go. It's one of those three areas. And regardless of where you are in that, in that spectrum, man, we want you to know that we're here for you, that we love you. None of us have it all together. And at the end of the day, we want to reinforce that Jesus Christ is good company. His word is good food. And why don't we sit down, chop it up, and dine over it sometime? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning we come before you this morning realizing that We don't always see things as they are. Lord, your word said that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. 
Yet and still there are times and situations that we feel like we've been left, feel like we're not in your company, feels like we're maybe, we're maybe not in good company with those around us. Or for that matter, maybe some of us hold, hold different perceptions of others around us. I don't know every area or whatever stronghold or whatever problem or whatever, whatever it is that may be blocking us from seeing correctly, Father God, but I know you see everything correctly. And right now we just ask, Father God, in spite of who we are, in spite of all of our shortcomings, that you help us to walk according to your word, according to your will, to be good company, to lend a helping hand to somebody in need, to speak an encouraging word, or for that matter, maybe even soften our hearts to receive rebuke, to receive correction. We come to you right now, Father God, because Sometimes we just don't see it. So in spite of all of that, Lord, just have your way in our lives. Help us to see. Accomplish within our hearts what you would have to accomplish, which is your good and perfect will for our lives. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.